Thanks for listening to the Refuel Podcast. Be sure to tune in every Thursday for a new episode. We are going to finish Ruth tonight. So if you have your Bible, you can open to Ruth. And as you're opening to Ruth, um, I want to talk to you about life-changing moments. I don't know if you got to get to this question during your tag group or not. I'm going to talk about life-changing moments. And, and of course, we could highlight a million different Disney movies where there were life-changing moments. Uh, of course, I've got Rapunzel, uh, where that moment where she let her hair down. And it's Flynn, right? I'm not a Disney, yeah, as much of a Disney pe- person as a lot of you are, okay? But, and, and fleeing, yeah, I would feel like that would be painful, right? Like a full-grown man climbing up on your hair. Anyway, um, but that was a life-changing moment for her because, yeah, she met the love of her life. She got to leave the, uh, the tower, you know, big life-changing moment. And each of us have, like, life-changing moments, you know, of course, I'm sure that was, it was mentioned in your tag group, you know, the moment that you met Jesus, that you um, received him as your savior and you put your faith in him, obviously, that's a life-changing moment. Then there's some maybe good slash bad, just like momentous moments in your life. For me, it was the day I got my driver's license. Um, who here has your driver's license? Where my driver's at? Who here is close to getting your driver's license? Who here thinks you'll probably never get your driver's license? Okay. Um, so I got my driver's license. I was 16. My dad let me uh, borrow his car. I went on my first, um, went on my first trip, um, and I, I went... This is how long ago it was. I drove to Walmart and I bought a CD. Because the first thing, you know, first thing you need if you're going to be driving is you need, some, you, you, need, you need some tunes. Bought a Garth Brooks CD. Um, so I was jamming out to some country. Um, but I bought that CD and then I went home and then um, there was a basketball game. Uh, my school was playing um, cross lanes, up in cross lanes, and I wanted to go and watch the basketball game because all my friends would be there. And uh, yeah, you know how you work on your parents, you know, you try to talk, you, you wear them down, convince them to let you do something. Well, that's what I was doing. I was like, hey, you know, I, I want to go. Can I drive up there? I just got my license. They're like, man, that's, yeah, that's like up to, up to, almost up to Charleston. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a you know, winter night, like it's cold, like, you know, could snow, we don't know. Like, Probably shouldn't do that. And you know, you know how you can be. You can be pretty, you know, some of you could be like attorneys without even taking the bar exam. You know, and, uh, and I, I get, you know, put it on them and they, they relented. They let me take the car up to this cross lanes game. So I drove up to this cross lanes game. Had a good old, you know, good old time. I was hanging with my buddies and I was hanging with my, my friends Lance and Daniel and Brad. And it was never a good, like it was always bad when we got together. And while we're sitting there, we had just watched a movie um, starring a guy named Chris Farley. And in the movie, they do what's called cow tipping. You ever heard of cow tipping? Are you familiar with that? You know, it's just you find a random cow. And I shouldn't be telling you guys. You find a random cow in the field and you just... You lay into it and try to knock it over, and they fall. And we had done it once before, and I, I was like, hey, I've got my own wheels now. You know, you guys got your lights. Let's go cow tipping after this game. And we, we, we knew there was a field in Ohio on a place called Buffalo Creek Road. If you've ever been to Buffalo Creek Road, Ohio. Yeah, and we're like, there's all these cows. Let's just do it. So we got out of the basketball game up in cross lanes, and it had snowed like three inches. I'd have my driver's license for like six hours. I don't know anything about driving in the snow, but I was like, hey. I didn't think about calling and checking in with my parents. 
I was supposed to be home by 10, and I think it was already 9.30 Cross Lanes. I was like, we can squeeze in driving to South Point, Ohio from Cross Lanes, tip a cow, and get back home by, in 30 minutes in the snow. So we were just, I mean, I was going like, you know, normal speed down snow-covered I-64 to get to South Point. We get to this pasture, get out to go cow tipping. We, you know, we're running up to this cow, and the cow like turns around and we see horns, it wasn't a cow, it was a bull. And the bull goes like, <laughs> so we tried to turn around, but it was snow covered. We fell and got our, our clothes were just totally muddy and we just ran. I was like, guys, it's getting late. I need to get home. I got on my little Toyota Corolla and I just mashed on the gas. I was going down these side roads and I went around a corner that was snow covered. And I just like, I turned my wheels and the car didn't turn. And I went right into a tele, down into a ditch and then up and into a telephone pole. And then um, I had to call my parents, explain to them where I was, why I was there. My dad had to come out and get me and I got in big trouble. And uh, so that was a big day in my life. I got my license, I totaled a car, I almost got killed by a bull. So, you know, we have big moments in our life is what I'm, I'm trying to get to. And we're going to be in Ruth, and we're going to finish Ruth tonight, and we're going to talk about this big moment in Ruth's life. And it was the moment where she and Boaz were married. And the term that they use in here that we're going to be talking about is where Boaz redeemed Ruth. And we're going to talk about how that also applies to how Jesus redeemed us. And everybody in the room tonight, I pray, has a moment, the moment the Christian kind of talked about in our tag, is that the moment that you're redeemed, it changes everything. So the big kind of thing we're going to learn tonight is that redemption changes everything. So if you have your Bible, go to Ruth chapter 4. Now to catch you up on where we've been, it's been quite the interesting saga through Ruth. And Three weeks ago, we talked about, Ruth begins, it's, it's one of two stories about women in the Bible that is named you know, after a woman in the Bible. And the first person we meet is Naomi. Naomi has a husband, remember she has a husband named Elimelech. They're living in the town of Bethlehem in Israel under God's blessing. Israel turns away from God. They have a food shortage because they've turned away from God. And instead of repenting Elimelech, remember, he says, Naomi, we're going to Moab. And you know, he, t- he, he, you know, he takes his family to Moab, which is a couple hundred miles east of Bethlehem. It's, it's a, it was a place that was known for its wickedness. It was a country known for its wickedness. The, we read in the Bible where this country you took part in child sacrifice, ch- child sacrifices. The, the country was just you know, wild as far as sexuality goes. And it was kind of like an anything goes approach. It was a terrible, immoral place to live. And Elimelech and Naomi, they took their family right there. Their sons, Malon and Kilion, um, met some girls down in Moab, uh, Orpah and Ruth. They got married and then something happens. Elimelech croaks, Naomi's wife. He dies. And Naomi gets emotional and sad, of course, but she's still got two sons who are taking care of her, their their son's wives, and then both of her sons drop dead, Maon and Kilion, they're dead. And that creates a problem for Ruth. First off, the emotion and the grief because she lost her sons and her husband. The second is because she was a widow in ancient Middle East. Not a good thing because you're not allowed to own land. You're not allowed to make economic moves. So she, ought, she, she had no way of having an income. She had no way to feed herself. But then she learns that the country, God provided food for people back in Israel, for the people of Israel. So she tells her, her daughters-in-law, 
Orpah and Ruth, hey, listen, you're young. You should go, you know, stay here. Stay in your hometown. Find a, you know, get remarried. You know, there's no reason for you, your, your life to you know, be falling apart like mine. I'm going to go back to Israel. Orpah says, sounds good. I'm out. But Ruth says, no, I'm staying with you. Where you go, I'll go. Where you lodge, I'll lodge. Your God will be my God. That's when Ruth became a believer in the one true God. And Ruth and Naomi, they go back to Bethlehem. But Naomi, she's got issues. She's got baggage. She's very angry and very mad at God when they move back to Bethlehem. When they get there, Ruth starts going out into the fields and gleaning. gathering food so that Naomi and Ruth can eat. And she happens to be gathering the food in a field by, who, that's owned by a man named Boaz. And Boaz, it's all in God's sovereignty here, he happens to show up at the field and he sees Ruth. And he, you know, he, he kind of does a double take. He's like, who is that? He, he, he's like, I'd like to get to know her. You know, so, so Boaz goes and talks to Ruth, spits a little game, um, you know, gives her some grain, which you know, back then, I guess that was like a way to like, you know, ask a girl out or, you know, you show appreciation. And, and, and when Ruth comes home with this grain to Naomi, I met this guy and he, he was so kind to me and he protected me and he gave me all this food for us. And Naomi said, this man, Boaz is one of our redeemers. And remember last week we talked about what that meant? The, the concept of you know, Boaz being what's called a kinsman redeemer or um, you know, someone who, you know, we talked about, remember, Leverite marriage. And it was really funny because after the lesson, I start you know, walking around talking to people and I'm running into conversations. Like you guys were having really weird conversations, like weird Leverite marriage scenarios among your siblings and stuff that I heard you guys talking about. Like, like, but the, the, the long and short of it is that God set up something in Israel so that people who were, you know, so that widows could be taken care of and could be provided for. And the way that that would happen is relatives of the man who passed away who weren't married themselves were duty-bound to marry the widow, to take care of them and provide a, a child through them. If you want more information about it, I know it sounds a little strange, go back and listen to last week's lesson because it took a long time to kind of flesh it out. We don't necessarily have the time to flesh it out tonight, but that was going on. So Naomi says, Ruth, here's what you need to do. You need to propose to Boaz. Yeah, Middle East, right? Shouldn't you? That, that, you, you talk about topsy-turvy, you know, upside down, you know, it was almost not illegal, but it was looked down upon for a woman to even approach a man, much less Ruth proposing marriage to Boaz. But we talked about it last week. Remember, it's a love story, baby. Just say yes. You, you have Ruth you, uh, you, coming to Boaz in the middle of the night as he's sleeping, uncovering his feet. Boaz wakes up and <laughs> the Bible says, behold a woman, you know, and, and she says, spread, it, it's love language, right? Remember, spread your wings over your servant for you are a redeemer. And Boaz says, you are a worthy woman. You know, that's Hebrew for hubba hubba. You know, you are a word. I looked it up in the Hebrew dictionary. That's literally the translation. No, but you know, Boaz says, you, you know, your wife material is actually a more, a more accurate translation. So there's, it's, it, there's this love story that's going on. So last week we talked about how redemption isn't just a transaction. It's a, it's a love story. But there's a problem. There's a wrinkle in the plans. Boaz says, there is a redeemer more near than me, meaning there's someone who is closer in the family line and has the responsibility or the duty-bound, honor-bound right to redeem you before me. And it wouldn't be moral or honorable for me to marry you without first checking with him. So Ruth goes back to Naomi 
And Boaz says, I'm going to go find this guy and I'm going to settle this. That's where we left off last week, if you remember. So in chapter 4, we're going to pick up here where Boaz talks to this quote-unquote nearer redeemer. Boaz got one thing on his mind, right? He's like, I'm going to stop at nothing to marry Ruth because she is a worthy woman. He wants to marry her. So in verse 1 of chapter 4, it says, Now Boaz had gone up to the gate and sat there. The city gate was like the central place. You know how there are places, well, <laughs> where people used to gather? You know, martial games. Like you could run into everybody. Your cousins, you know, people from church, people from school. You know, like it was a public place where pe- your people would gather in public. Boaz had gone up to the gate, the city gate, and sat there. And behold, the Redeemer of whose Boaz had spoken came by. So this guy that Boaz was looking for, Remember, it's, once again, God's sovereignty, God's in control. He just happens to walk by in the city gate. And Boaz says this. It says in uh, verse 1, Boaz says, turn aside, my friend. Sit down here. It reminds me of uh, the principal at my school. Anytime he'd have to come up to me because I was in trouble or something, he'd say, my friend, walk with me. You know, so Boaz says, turn aside, my friend. Come sit down here. You know, it's like the used car salesman approach. You know, you know, Boaz is a salesman here. He's like, sit down, my friend. Let me talk to you. And then in verse 2, it says, and he he took 10 men of the elders of the city and said, sit down here. So he finds 10 elders or kind of leaders in the city. And he says, my friends, come sit down here. You see how Boaz is like, he, he, he's a deal maker. He's, he's, he's a businessman. He's taking care of business, right? He's, he says, my friends, sit down here. He gathers these 10 elders to be witnesses. Will you sit down here? And then he lays it all out for him. Verse three, he says, he said to the redeemer, Naomi, who's come back from the uh, who's come back from the country of Moab is selling a parcel of land that belonged to our Elimelech or our relative Elimelech. So I, I thought I'd tell you of it and say by it in the presence of these elders of my people. If you'll redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me uh, that I may know for there's no one beside you to redeem it and I'll come after you. So, Boaz, he's putting on the used car. He's putting on the salesman approach. He says, listen, I, I thought you'd want to know, you know. Yeah, I, I just kind of wanted to be a friend here and let you know that there's this piece of property uh, that's for sale that Naomi is selling that belonged to her late husband. And you're the closest redeemer in line. You have the right to buy it. So you want to buy it? If, if not, though, I'll buy it. You know, I'm, I'm, help me help you. Help me help you. I'm just trying to take care of you. What does the man say? The man says, I will redeem it. I can imagine Boaz's heart like almost like sank for a minute, right? Because he's he really hoping he'd say no. But Boaz, he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a sly guy. He's got another trick up his sleeve. Boaz says in verse five, the day you buy the field from the hand of Naomi, you also acquire, or in, in other versions of the Bible, a better translation, the day you buy from the hand of the field, the field from the hand of Naomi, you also buy it from Ruth the Moabite, the widow of the dead, in order to perpetuate the name of the dead in his inheritance. So he also said, he says, not only are you buying the field from Naomi and then you're duty bound, honor bound to take care of and financially provide for Naomi, you're also buying it from Ruth and you're duty-bound to take care of and provide for Ruth. And by the way, she's not an old lady, so she's going to expect you to father a child with her. And all of a sudden, the guy's like, oh, whoa, whoa, that changes the game. The Redeemer said, I cannot redeem it for myself. He's like, oh, you didn't tell me there were women involved. He's like, you didn't tell me there was like a marriage and relationship involved. He says, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I impair my own inheritance. You take my right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. The way it all worked out is this man was making a business, a, a, a financial 
estimation. He was saying, okay, I can buy this piece of land from this old lady named Naomi, and I'm required to take care of her, give her money, feed her, that kind of stuff. But she's going to die in a couple years, and then I'll have this profitable piece of land. Good business transaction. But then when he learns that he would also be duty-bound to take care of Ruth and raise up a son for her, he's like, whoa, that's going to cost a whole lot more than taking care of an old lady for five years. I don't think I want to, he's literally, he's looking at, he doesn't see people, he sees money, and a lot of people are still like that today, right? He doesn't see people, he sees money, he says, I cannot redeem it. So Boaz is like, it's time for me to step in. Boaz is ready. He's, re- he, he's ready to redeem it. Verse number seven, it says, this is, remember, Middle East, ancient times, customs were a little weird. Now, this was the custom in former times in Israel concerning redeeming and exchanging. To confirm a transaction, this is how they did business back then, one drew off his sandal and gave it to the other. I hate feet. Feet are disgusting. I don't get these Israelites. They had like foot stuff going on. Like, I don't get it. Um, yeah. It says that to confirm a transaction, one would draw off his sandal and give it to the other. This was the manner of attesting in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, buy it for yourself, he drew off his sandal. There's some really cool imagery that we're going to talk about that later. Boaz said to the elders and all the people, remember the elders, he sat down here, your witnesses to this day that I bought from the hand of Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Kilon and Malion. I have also bought from Ruth the Moabite, the widow of Malion. I've, I've bought to be my wife to perpetuate the name of the dead and his inheritance that um, the name of the dead may not be cut off from his brothers and from the gate of his native place. Your witnesses to this day. So Boaz seals the deal. You know, Trump wrote this book called The Art of the Deal. I think Boaz should have, written, should have written it. Boaz knows how to, how to make a deal. And, 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 and now we see Boaz redeems, Naomi redeems Ruth. And then these witnesses, yeah, they, they, they confirm it. The, verse 11, it says, The people who were at the gate and the elders said, We are witnesses. May the Lord make this woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, who together build up the house of Israel. We'll talk about them here in a minute. They got some, some, some skeletons in the closet. May you act worthily in Ephrata and be renowned to Bethlehem. May your house be like the house of Perez, who Tamar bore to Judah. We'll talk about that here soon, too. Because of the offspring that the Lord will give you by this young woman. See, all these, yeah, these, these this is a love story. And these, these witnesses who were there, they got pumped up. It's like when you're watching like one of those sappy, you know, like those, those like romance, those rom-coms, those romance movies when it, everybody's bawling, but they're, they're happy. I don't get that. How do you cry when you're happy? But yeah, yeah it, it's, 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 it's so full of romance. It's so thick. It's almost like you got to put on your muck boots and get that like, you, you, that mucking shovel and like shovel it with a shovel. It's so thick because, and all these, all these witnesses, their hearts are like moved by this incredible love story. So they're, you know, they're prophesying about it and they're excited about it. And then we see the resolution here. Verse 13, Boaz took Ruth and she became his wife. It's a love story. Baby, just say yes. And he went into her and the Lord gave her conception and she bore a son. Don't you love how, you know, sometimes the Bible just cuts right to the chase. Verse 14, it says, then the women said to Naomi, blessed be the Lord who has not left you in this day without a redeemer, that his name may be renowned in Israel. Let's talk about this little baby that Ruth Ruth and, and Jesse had. He shall for you be a restorer of life and a nourisher of old age for your daughter-in-law, 
who loves you is worth more to you than seven sons. That was a big statement back then too. Has given birth to him. Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and she became his nurse. She became the one that cared for this little child. And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name saying, a son has been born to Naomi. They named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. So do you see what happens here? Ruth and Obed, they get married. They do what married people do. Uh, Ruth gets pregnant and she has a son. They name him Obed. And Naomi, remember, who had lost so many people that she loved in her life, gained this grandson. And she wouldn't let him go. She's like, this is my grandson. You know how your grandparents are with you? Like, like they're so possessive of you. You know, like she's like, this is my grandson. And she's holding on to him for all it's worth. And then we learn that this grandson, who they named Obed, he becomes kind of a big deal in and of himself because he becomes like the great, great grandfather of someone. It says that Obed was the father of Jesse, who was the father of David, who was the greatest king that Israel had ever known. Yeah, he's the guy who slew, slew Goliath, you know, kind of a big deal, right? Um, so, and then in verses 18 through 20, it, it takes the generations all the way from, from Abraham and, and, and Judah and Perez all the way down to David. So, what? Why should we care? That's what it always comes to. Why should we care about this story? Did you notice I had the word redeemer or redeemed highlighted in yellow every time? It's because understanding this is very important. Why is it important? I, you know, I don't get on Facebook maybe as often as some people, but I got on there and there was a, somebody posted something that I thought was very profound. Um, it's, it's the lead, you know, um, it's the leader of our college ministry, Charles Meadows. He was talking about the Old Testament, and I thought this was a really good quote. He said, when we take the Old Testament on its own terms, we learn a bit of the background that helps us better understand what Jesus and his apostles said and did. And through this story, we learn about redemption, and Jesus had a lot to say about the term redemption, and he was saying it to a Jewish audience. G yeah, the Apostle Paul said this, in him we have redemption through his blood, forgiveness of sins. Remember, we talked about that last week. You can go to last week's lesson and look up a bunch more verses where the New Testament is all about redemption. And then we learned how in Revelation chapter 5, verse 9, when you get to heaven, you're going to be praising Jesus because of Why? Because he redeemed us. I think I've got the verse there, 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 Drew. Revelation chapter five, verse nine, it says, you're worthy to take the scroll and open the seals for you were slain and you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. So when we read the book of Ruth, we can understand what Jesus meant and what he was thinking when he said that he redeemed us. So we learn two things about redemption through this, I guess you could say, part two of Ruth's redemption story. And the first is that redemption is costly. Redemption is costly. There's, there's your Trump picture. He wrote a book called The Art of the Deal. You know, um, and uh, yeah, I, don't, I don't know if I want to take business advice from him or not, but I definitely want to take business advice from Boaz. So, um, so what, what's interesting is we don't know how much this field cost. We don't know how much Boaz paid for this field. But what we do know is that the price that he paid was way too high for the other redeemer. Remember, the other redeemer said, I cannot 
redeem it. And we see this contrast between Boaz and this other redeemer, right? The other redeemer was selfish. Boaz was kind. The other redeemer was motivated by money. Boaz was motivated by morals and honor. The other redeemer knew Naomi was in trouble but didn't care to move a finger to help her. Boaz took the initiative and took charge to take care of Ruth and to take care of Naomi. This nearer redeemer is just known as the nearer redeemer. His name is forgotten. Boaz's name lives on forever in the Bible. And just like Boaz had to pay a price for our sin, Jesus, or pay a price for Ruth and for Naomi, Jesus had to pay a price for our sin. First uh, Peter says that in him we have redemption through his blood. Also an exchange was made. Remember the sandal thing? You know, you remember this? Yeah, it, it was weird, right? Yeah, but what the, the near redeemer did was he, would take, he took off his sandal and he gave it to Boaz. And what that meant was that you have just as much right as I have to walk on that, that property, that field that you redeemed. He gave him his sandal. There was nothing special about the sandal, but it was, it was symbolic. And just like the sandals were, which I think is gross, the sandals were exchanged between Boaz and this other redeemer. When Jesus died on the cross for us and purchased our redemption, an exchange happened too. An exchange happened too. Jesus took our sin and he gave us his righteousness. So you could say he took our dirty sandal and he gave us his clean sandal. 2 Corinthians 5, 21 says it like this. He became sin who knew no sin so that we could become the righteousness of God. And not only was an exchange made, but a, a victory was displayed. Remember how you know, the, these elders were here and they were getting all sappy. They were getting all emotional saying, this is a beautiful love story. You know, we've seen Boaz you know, pay this high price to, 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 to redeem Ruth and to redeem Naomi. When Jesus paid the price for our sin and died on the cross, he did it in front of witnesses. When he rose from the dead displaying his power over sin, he did it in front of witnesses too. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 talks about how after Jesus came back from the dead, it's not a myth, it's not fiction. After Jesus came back from the dead, he appeared in front of a guy named Peter. He appeared in front of a guy named James. And then he appeared in front of over 500 people at the same time. We have eyewitnesses to Jesus having victory over sin and death through the redemption that he secured on the cross. So, Redemption's costly. It costs Jesus a lot. But we also learn about redemption, that redemption changes everything. That day when Boaz purchased the redemption of Ruth and Naomi, lives were changed forever. I put a, I, I Googled fresh baby. Because um, I don't, you, you ever see those babies that are just butt ugly? Yeah, you know, some babies are just ugly. I wanted a, I, I wanted a good looking baby up here. So I Google, I Google image search, fresh baby. So, uh, yeah, <laughs> and that's what came up. Um, but yeah, you, babies represent the, you know, this momentous occasion. Yeah, once you have a kid, trust me, it's a momentous occasion. But Ruth's life, you know, think about all the lives that were changed when Boaz redeemed Ruth and Naomi. Well, first off, Ruth's life was changed, right? Ruth, used to have her old identity. She was known as Ruth the Moabite. What's really interesting is until verse four, or 13 of chapter 4, every time Ruth's name is mentioned, it doesn't just say Ruth, it says Ruth the Moabite. Ruth the Moabite. Ruth the Moabite. Ruth the Moabite. Then when, when, when Boaz purchased her redemption, you know what it says in verse 13? Boaz took Ruth because she is no longer known as Ruth, the person who came from like hell on earth, Moab, 
the Las Vegas of, uh, of the Middle East. She's known as Ruth, the wife of Boaz, a righteous man. She was known for being a widow. Now she's known as for being cared for, loved, and provided for. Her old family history was out the door. Do you see who they lumped her with? They said, may she be like Rachel? Rachel married her sister's husband. May she be like Leah? The Bible says that Leah was so ugly that her dad had to trick her husband into marrying her. May their house be like the house of Perez who Tamar bore to Judah. Tamar um, was a widow and she couldn't get anyone to marry her so she tricked her, her ex-father-in-law into sleeping with her so that she could have a son. Those are the people that they're saying, compared, comparing Ruth to saying, if God can use Rachel and God can use Leah and God can use Tamar, God can use Ruth the Moabite widow to do great things for his purposes, and he did. So what about you and what about your family? Sometimes you think that because my family's crazy, since my family is going to hell in a handbasket, God can't use me, won't use me, and God can't save me. I'm here to tell you, your family may be bat poop crazy, but God can still save you and use you. Naomi's life changed. Naomi, when you meet her in chapter one, her life is marked by pain, it's marked by anger with God, and it's marked by bitterness. But what do we see them telling Naomi in verse 15 about this baby? He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. And just like Naomi's life was restored through this redemption, your life can be restored through the redemption that you have in Jesus. And for some of you, maybe me included, this year has been painful. Some of you, when you said, what's, what's the most impactful moment on your life? It wasn't a good one. It was one where your parents set you down and say, we're not going to, you know, we're, we're getting a divorce. We're not going to live together anymore. Yeah. For some of you, like, it was, it was painful and impactful because you, you got the news that your grandmother, your grandfather wasn't doing well or was going to pass away. Yeah, that mo- the life-changing moment in your life was a, a moment of pain. But just like Naomi, who had multiple life-changing moments of pain, that redemption that Boaz purchased for her was a life-changing moment throughout her life and joy. So Jesus can redeem you and bring bitterness, turn bitterness into blessing and hap- emptiness into fullness and pain into nourishment. Also, Israel was changed. I've got just a little bit more time, so we can do this. Israel was changed. Ruth, t- Ruth chapter 1 tells us that Ruth lived during the time in which the judges ruled. The time in which the judges ruled was an evil time. Go to Judges chapter uh, 19 and 20 and 21, and you're going to find out how crazy those times were. And it ends saying this, at that time there was no king in Israel and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. You know what happened when Boaz and redeemed Ruth, they had a child, Jesse, or Obed, who had a child named Jesse, who had a child named David. Through David, there was a king in Israel and he established righteousness. So we look around at our country and it almost seems like the the days when the judges ruled. It seems like there's no actual leadership in our country. It seems like everyone's doing what's right in our own eyes. So what are we going to do about it? Are we going to support this candidate maybe that we think is going to turn the country around? How'd that work out for us? Every time, yeah, and by the way, Israel is not America. Israel is its own thing that God chose. But every time that God has moved in America, it never happened by people voting. It happened by Christians, specifically young Christians 
getting serious with God and spreading the gospel. The first great awakening in the early 1700s when literally half the country was saved. The second great awakening in the mid to late 1800s when people all across the country were getting saved. We're due for another one and maybe it's going to happen when we realize who we are and we've been redeemed by God. And then the final thing, (laughs) we don't have time for this, but I'll I'll give you some homework. (laughs) I know that's a terrible H word. Um, But not only was Ruth's life changed, Naomi's life changed, Israel's life changed, your life was changed because Boaz redeemed Ruth because when Boaz and Ruth had the child Obed, he had a child Jesse, who had a child David, you can go to Matthew chapter one and trace the lineage from Boaz and Ruth all the way down to this guy named Joseph who married a girl named Mary who had a child named Jesus who was the son of God that paid for your sin. Do you see how God's at work all over this book? Pretty cool. So let me give you three B words before we get out of here and we're gonna get out right on time. The first is believe. Have you put your faith in Jesus? He is the true, real redeemer. And I, I, I love that we've had a lot of people visit and a lot of people that I'm still getting to know, still getting to know your name. And I'm glad you're here. Um, but you don't get to heaven by throwing down uh, pepperoni rolls, uh, you know, playing Xbox in the park and watching me stand on my head every week. You get saved by putting your faith in Jesus and in what he did on the cross. If you have more questions about that, or you'd like some some help in understanding how you can be saved, text me. That's my number, the teen helpline, right up there, 304-208-8044. The next is baptize. You know, just like the sandal ceremony was symbolic in front of witnesses, Boaz didn't mind telling everybody that he wanted to marry uh, Ruth. Um, Have you gone public with your faith? Have you kind of come out of the closet for Jesus and said, this is, yeah, I am a Christian? The Bible tells us that being, you know, being baptized doesn't make you saved any more than being an ocean makes you a dolphin. Um, but you, but it, it's a symbol, just like the sandal, it's a symbol saying that I identify with Jesus. We, we have a baptism Sunday coming up in a few weeks. If you have not been baptized and you would like to be baptized and be a part of that, I mean, I let you, you can take your friend in the water with you if you're a little nervous. I don't care. Um, text me or, or talk to your, one of your tag leaders. We'd love to talk to you more about it or we'd love to just get you on the schedule if you're ready to go. Um, but maybe some of you need to be baptized. And the final thing is blessing. Be a blessing to others by showing them kindness and sharing the gospel. We see, we see the, the story of Ruth is not a story of perfect people, but it's a story of people who had Christ-like, God-like kindness and God used those people literally, to save the world. So who are you telling the story of Jesus to? So I'm going to pray, and then we are going to um, make like a baby and head out of here. So let's pray. Um, Father, thank you for um, this time. Thank you for this story. I know we're kind of in a a rush to, to, to wrap it up, but God, thank you that you use people like Boaz, and especially that you use people like Ruth, who have a difficult past, um, who don't really, feels like they don't bring anything to the table, and I feel like that a lot. But thank you that you use me. Thank you that you'll use any teen or leader in this room um, to serve you. So God, I pray if there's a teenager here um, that doesn't know you as their Savior, they don't know if they're saved. Um, God, wouldn't it be awesome if when they walked out the door, they walked out knowing 
that they're saved. Uh, so I pray if there's a teenager here like that tonight, that they'll seek me out or they'll seek out their tag leader and, and, and we can have a conversation. Um, God, I pray for people that are maybe a little nervous to kind of come forward and publicly identify as a believer in Jesus through baptism. God, I pray that you'll give them the courage to do that. Um, I pray that they'll seek uh, tag leaders, seek me out, um, and, and, and get that settled tonight. Um, God, I, I pray that through this story of Ruth and Boaz and Naomi and, and, and all the people involved, God, that you will motivate us to show that kindness that Boaz showed to Ruth and that Ruth showed to Naomi and that you showed to everyone involved and that you show to us. Um, God, I pray that we will, through this book, have a new appreciation for what it means to say that we are redeemed by Jesus' blood. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for listening to the Refuel podcast. If you have any questions or would like to review the notes from this podcast, be sure to download the Refuel app from the App Store on any mobile device.